Hello and welcome back to the show. This week we'll be talking to Charlotte Stavrou, who is the founder and CEO of 76, the influencer marketing agency. Charlotte provides us with invaluable insights into the real world challenges and decisions faced by modern content creators and business owners. We start off this conversation talking about her journey and how she quit her job with literally no backup plan. And then we'll be talking about some of the intricacies of influencer marketing, monetization challenges, how to maintain authenticity, and even her own personal challenges such as managing burnout and navigating social events as an introvert. This conversation also underscores the importance of weaving purpose into your business. So having that vision, but also what's the point of it all? And how do you remain authentic to yourself amidst the pressure of trying to make money? So yeah, there's a lot to unpack in this conversation. So without further ado, let's get to the show. do my research it's very very clear to me that there's so many different sides to you <laughs> you're laughing <laughs> yeah to be honest there there's not yeah they all are one side mm-hmm. but they're just like lots of different like pockets yeah so with those pockets like there's founder yeah marketing expert mm-hmm. influencer influencer manager diversity expert fashionista what else am i missing uh, well, some of these we can take away, but <laughs> podcaster. Podcaster. <laughs> so you said it all come into one thing. So what would you describe that as being then? Uh, I am the, just like the millennial multi-hyphenate, you know, do a bit of everything. Yeah. Um, I'm an entrepreneur who does what she needs to do to make things work. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I do lots of different things because I'm interested in a lot of different things and I get bored quite easily mm-hmm. but then everything is actually connected to my business in in a sense so nothing is like crazy like different to each other got it got it so. and have you always had like say different things that you're juggling yeah yeah when did that first start from like birth <laughs> <laughs> I've always been just like oh, I'm gonna do this oh, I'm gonna do that but I do it. Yeah. Like I'm not. I'm not like a dreamer. I like. I'm a doer. Mm-hmm. I think I do before I dream. Do before you dream. Yeah. So like I'll be doing something and it will make whatever it is that I'm gonna. I, I don't know what's gonna be until I do it. Mm-hmm. Is that how you fell into entrepreneurship? Uh, yeah. Because I'm a bit. Oh God, it's really starting on a negative, negative <laughs> uh, start. But I'm a bit. Um, I'm a bit erratic. Okay. Um, I've been described as erratic quite a lot by family members. Um, erratic and spontaneous, I like to say. But um, I basically quit my job with no plan mm-hmm. and then fell into entrepreneurship that way. I went freelance and yeah. I was just like, well, it's what it is. I just couldn't do, th- I didn't like the job I was doing. Well, it's not the job. I didn't like parts of the job. It wasn't the role that I thought it was going to be. So then I was like, people were freelance. I didn't really know much about freelance work but mm-hmm. I was like people do freelance all the time so I took s- that role and said I'll do it freelance for you until you find someone else what type of career um, were you in then it's just marketing I've always yeah. done the same job essentially since I was like 21 um it was a marketing and events manager mm-hmm. for a uh startup but um yeah I just had no plan I just one day was like I'm gonna quit yeah and then I just and I remember my husband being like you're unhappy so do it and I'll support you if you if you need it. Um, more emotionally, I think he meant than financially, but <laughs> I think it, finance came into that a little bit um, in the first year. But um, I didn't tell my, I never tell my parents anything yeah. until after I do it. 
um, that happened like my A-levels, I did four and then halfway through fourth year, I was like, I really don't like geography. I'm just gonna quit. Mm. And then parents evening, like at Christmas, my geography teacher comes up to my mum and was like, oh, so sad, Charlotte's not doing geography anymore. And she was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, oh, I knew I needed to tell you something. Yeah, yeah I quit. I'm not, I was like, no one does four A-levels. Like I go to a state school, like everyone does three, it's fine. And she was like, but you just quit and didn't say anything. And I was like, yeah, it just wasn't serving me, mum. Mm. I wasn't gonna get a good grade, so there was no point. And she was just like, oh. And I think she learned from then that was just how I am. She'll yeah. find out when she needs to. No, I like that. I like or that. Or if someone tells her. I like that. I've done four A-levels myself oh, as well. Um, people like you. Yeah. I mean, rather than just quitting one end of my kept on going. But I wish I wish I'd just done three. But it's, it's normal. Pointless. Like, in yeah. most state schools, it's normal for um, you to do four mm-hmm. in AS. And yeah. then you drop one. For A-level, yeah. That's like the normal like situation you can choose to do four and I chose to do four one Same. of my friends chose to do it and I was like I'll do four as well but I just couldn't keep up with it so yeah. I was just like it's not gonna and geography that's what you dropped yeah do you know why I think I geography actually fancied my geography teacher I'm not even <laughs> like I'm not I didn't I have no idea we did like one thing where we were talking about Brazil one one yeah. like lesson and I was like oh this is cool and I think I just went from there I didn't care about erosion and like rocks my my mini sister-in-law my my husband's younger sister is doing geography at uni and I just listened to the stuff she's doing and I was like I can't believe I sat for like <laughs> a year and a half doing that that's just it was never me I did yeah. history and languages and business at a level geography that wasn't it was never for me yeah I mean geography I hated that at, at secondary school I hated it and um, so you said you history history business and languages yeah, history, business, and Spanish. And Spanish, sorry. So then going into uni, was it more business focused? No, I wish. One of my biggest regrets. I did, um, well, not regrets. I, I loved, mm. yeah, I liked uni. Um, I did Portuguese and Spanish at okay. uni because I wanted to do Spanish because it was the only thing I was like really good at. I did a writing business, good in, good in history, but um, my um, Spanish was like, I was always like the best. I won like awards at school oh, wow. for Spanish. Like, I, was, I was good at it because my cousin moved to Spain when I was a kid. So I had like that leg up because I was always there. But um, when I went to uni, I was like, well, I can't just do Spanish. That's like boring. So then I was like, what else can you do? And I just went through the book and I was like, hmm, Portuguese, that sounds fun. <laughs> and then I just did it. And that's mm. literally how I chose my entire life. Just like, oh, that, that, that's all right. Oh, wow. So then doing that then, so going from studying languages to then starting off in marketing, was that something you expected to do or was it a bit of a jump? No, it wasn't. I have this thing where I can't remember fully and I really need to pinpoint. Cause you know, like on LinkedIn, it says like everything you've done. And I think I've done the dates wrong because I'm like, I don't know if this is all true, but I did all of those things, but I don't think it was that exact timing. Yeah. So I, um, when I was, a, so I've always loved social media and I tell people this all the time. I, my space was my thing, coding my, my space page or whatever we called it at the time. Um, Tumblr, like retumbling, like all this, like, I can't even remember the things that we did then. It's so, it feels like a lifetime ago, but I loved social media images. I was a huge fan of like photography and like creating. Mm-hmm. And I was the kind of kid that'd be in the bathtub making some like cool, like sceney <laughs> photo shoot and then posting it on my, my MySpace. But I loved it. And then when I went to uni, I started doing like social media for a family friend um, as an intern slash apprentice slash basically you just paid me not a lot yeah. to do some work. And I was like, yeah, this is cool. And I think I did it during the summer holidays. And then that must have been after I, 
I, I did a year abroad in Portugal and I think it was after that that I did it, but it's the dates. So I can never f- remember when I did it. So I need to ask, I need to call John, my boss. I'm like, when did I work for you? Cause I don't remember. But, um, so I, I was doing little bits of social media for as work mm-hmm. when I was still at uni. And then when I left uni, I moved to Portugal and did teaching for a year and a half, but then I was also freelance doing that social media job still. So I'd worked in social media forever. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew I wanted to work in it. I didn't know it was a job. Mm -hmm. That was my issue. So if if I'd known that studying business would have had a marketing, no one was there to tell me. Mm -hmm. So, but now if someone told me studying business or economics, there'd be a marketing module that we'd learn about social media. I would have done business. I didn't learn about social media I at did, uni. No, so no. I done um, oh, I done fine. economics and management at uni, but social media was still quite abstract. I remember because I had a business at uni with my mates and like one of them, Matthew, he was always onto us like, we need to have a Twitter, we need to have a Twitter. But we just didn't understand it. Even like having a website, it just didn't make sense because everything was just revolved around Facebook. Like you have yeah. a Facebook page, you get people to like it. Instagram was still quite like, didn't, we didn't start using Instagram to maybe like, 2012 2013 that's when I got it so when we had the business in like from 09 to 2013 it was still like word of mouth we didn't really utilize social media but he knew about it I think it was still very in its nascent you know because I guess lecture at a couple of unis and I do social media stuff, so I just yeah, assumed. Yeah, now it's different. No, not but, back then. Oh, fine. Then I, I did the right thing. Don't worry, guys. <laughs> yeah, I think Whew. you did. I think you did because I feel like if you studied, say, business or marketing, your perception might have been different from, say, yeah. going to social media. You might think more about let me work in a large corporation, understand marketing holistically, mm. rather than going to something which is a bit more new and then working in yeah. a startup like you did, right? That's true. Yeah. I wish I had done business though, so I okay. had a bit more like understanding of business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Doing it at A-level is very different to doing it at uni. Yeah, it is, yeah. And when I started my business, I had literally no idea. Until, honestly, until I'm four years in, until last year, I had no <laughs> idea what I was doing. And people always laugh. And they're like, I think in their head, they're like, oh, what a liar. Yeah. But if you, like my sister works with me and <laughs> the, st- the stuff we talk about and like the mistakes that I've made and things I've done, she's always just like, it's so funny that you're in charge of this. Yeah. Like, who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I wish I wish I did business. Yeah, no, fair enough, fair enough. So when you were doing that marketing job, right? Um, so you were having conversations with your husband. Was there like a specific breaking point where you said, I'm out, like, here's my resignation? Yeah, some some things went down and yeah. I just, it just wasn't the culture that I wanted to align myself with. So I was just like, Do you know what? It's not for me. And I said... I take, um, sounds lame because I'm a founder, but I take culture really seriously. Like I don't ever want to be around anything that doesn't fit with my ideal of like what humanity should be. I think we should be kind. I think we should be nice to people. I think that's like a like bare minimum. Like there's no reason, doesn't matter what happened to you in your life, there's no reason for you not to just give nice. someone kindness. Yeah. Um, and things like that are really important and how you treat your staff. And it's something as a founder, I'm learning to to do myself. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to be proactive and like get things done and like do socials. And like, we've got a team summer party thing next week that I'm planning because I'm planning it. It's not planned. It's on Wednesday. <laughs> today is, what's today? Friday. Friday. So tonight I have to book something. And I've been like, guys, don't worry, it's under control. If you're watching this now, it's not under control, <laughs> <laughs> but it will be in about two hours. So don't worry about it. But 
that is, I know that's important. We have to do that mm. because if we don't do something, our team hasn't met. Some people are remote. We haven't met for two months in real life. It's like we meet weekly as um, a team online and then we meet two days a week for the people that work in like office people. But there are two people that we haven't seen them in two months. So like we're not really a team if, if we're not, we don't have to be together to be a team, but we have to do something to connect. Yeah, yeah. So, I like that idea of placing that importance, making sure that everybody can carry yeah. on together, right? Because I feel like in the 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 world of online working, yeah. it's really easy to forget you're part of something. Yeah. And I think I can see that if, if you're distracted and you're just doing work when you need to, rather than like feeling like I'm being proactive, I'm gonna come up with these ideas, you know, that's because you're not connected. If you're not coming up with ideas and you're not like actually doing the role, you're just doing the job, then it's because you're disconnected from the team. And if you were part of the team and you felt like empowered and excited, you're gonna be doing as much as you can. Mm. What other ways do you do to try and make your team feel connected then? I've actually put in like a whole culture plan for Q4 because I've realized Q3, Q2, we did a really good job. Like we had an away day, we went to, I just took them, I'm, we're tight budget. So I have a Soho House membership and so does my sister. So we just took them to Soho Farmhouse for the day. All I had to do was pay for the train ticket and they thought it was like the best day ever. <laughs> They're like, oh, we went to the spa. I'm just like, literally, I bought your lunch and <laughs> Rihanna, my sister, is under 27 so I was like, that was 50% off and you know you just came in and went swimming and went in the sauna and stuff and that was it was amazing we had such a great day it's a perk that we can use but it didn't cost us anything but we had the best day and it was so fun and um everyone loved it and they felt I saw immediately afterwards how excited everyone was to be there that was a few months ago now we haven't done anything in like two months and I can just see people aren't that excited and we've been working really hard on some campaigns and it's been back to back and I can see people are exhausted and everyone just needs to be reminded why they're doing the job and um, not just because it pays your salary but because it's fun, you want to work here, it's, you know, you're doing something that's creative, exciting, sometimes we make a difference, like there's, there's a purpose here um, and I need to remind them that but yeah, I need to find ways to do it. So we'll probably go back to Soho Farmhouse because it's a really, gets the job done. But we're a bigger team now, so I, I'm not sure if that's going to work. But then also little things like, there's like, I don't want to, old me would have been like, let's go to the pub, let's go for cocktails, whatever. New me is like, what can we do that's like fun? There's like board game, like, I don't know, cafes and bars that you can go to. Oh, like Doom Bar. Stuff I, like I literally don't know. I need okay. to Google. Let me know because okay. <laughs> in two hours I need to plan it. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. like, let's get everyone to like a team articulate or like, you know, like get them like excited and get the competition going. Um, I want to do like a sports day in a couple of months and like do some like random random things. Um, that could be pretty cool doing cross, comp cross with different companies as well. Yeah, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Anyone want to <laughs> do a, a joint? Uh, autumn party let me know but yeah so it's just I'm trying to think out of the box but it's not something something I've always thought about and focused on but in the last quarter it's not something I've had the capacity to think about and I've felt that it's 
pulling on my business is, is causing an issue. So I've actually, yeah, in the last two weeks, I've made this like solid plan and it's the culture plan, literally on the top of my, my notebook, it says culture plan. And um, it's how are we gonna reignite the culture in the company. That's so, awesome, that's yeah. awesome. And you, so you mentioned a couple of the reasons why like <coughs> people would wanna work in this industry, such as it's exciting, it's new, like yeah. fast paced. Are those some of the reasons why you decided to go freelance and then build the business? In all honesty, I went freelance just from circumstance. It wasn't, there was no plan. It wasn't like, oh, I've got this incredible business idea that's like really lucrative and it's gonna, I was just like, all right, so I'm, I do influencer marketing. I'm just gonna do that freelance. Like that's what I do. And then when I built the business, it was because I was thinking, right, I'm at the time I was 28 and I was like, right, I'm gonna be 30 soon. You know, that kind of 30, before you turn 30, turning 30 is like it's the, the worst yeah. it's the worst thing in the world every time I hear people like I'm saying now I'm like it's fine like don't worry about it but at the time it was like I have to have my entire life put together by the time I'm 30 and um I was like what is it that I want to do with my life like I do influencer marketing is that even a thing like is it worth my time am I giving anything to the world do I want to be doing this and I I, I love it I, I do so I started the business but the I needed a purpose and there was a real issue with diversity and inclusion within the ad industry in general and specifically influencer marketing for me was it's very it was very white it was very focused around one voice one narrative and it made no sense to me so as a marketer and as a consumer so I was like right I want to do something to help fix this and that's where the business came from but when I went freelance that was literally just like needs must like I I don't want to be in this space. How do I make make money and, and survive? Um, I'm not a person until recently, but I'm not a person that had savings. Like I wasn't like, oh, don't worry about it. I've got enough for two months. I don't need to get another job for two months. I was like, I need to make, the reason I went freelance, I was like, I need to make money. Like I, I can't afford to wait to get a job. I, I need to quit today. And I don't have backup. Like my parents would do whatever they could, but then they, I, I know that my mum my and dad don't have like cash to give me. They could give me a home, but <laughs> so I could have moved home, but they weren't going to give me like money. Yeah. So yeah. how did you get your first client then? Because I guess this, you've got two clients, right? You've got an influencer as a client, yeah. but also a brand as a client as well. Yes. How so when we first, let me think about it. When we first launched Seven Six, we didn't do talent management. So that came in 2020. So we launched in 2019. Um, and my first client, I'm trying to think who our first client was. So we did some work with some, so when I was freelance, I was working with a lot of brands that I'd done, me as an influencer had done like posts for, and then they needed some marketing help. And then I went and worked with them as a marketer. Oh, so you were an influencer first. Yeah. Before. I see, I see, I see. So I've always, we haven't discussed that, no. So I've always done marketing from even when I was at uni, but then in 20. 10 I started a blog for when I went on my year abroad and I um basically did it because my friend was like oh you should do a blog so like everyone knows where you are and um I just started writing like oh today I'm here I'm in Portugal I'm doing this blah, 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 for my parents but then I was like this is really fun and I didn't realize blogs were a thing it sounds really <laughs> silly because I watched Sex in the City as well and she she narrates the whole yeah. blog the show. so I was like hold on a minute how did I not realize yeah. so I was like this is great what is blogging kind of thing and then I looked into the world of blogging and there were fashion blogs and beauty blogs and I was like what where have I been so 
in that was 2010 then I started like a little one around that time 2010 2011 but then in 2012 I launched the Stylum which was it doesn't exist anymore because I accidentally deleted it which a lot of people will listen to this and be like I can't believe it and I did and I'm an idiot I literally did it a couple of months ago because I was like I'll do it myself it's fine and then I pressed the wrong button and it's gone but um that was my brand for a long time like I have friends who still have me a Charlotte Stylum in their phone um because my Instagram used to be the Stylum like my blog was the Stylum.com and um it was all about fashion and beauty and I did a lot of like natural hair stuff and I moved um I never relaxed my hair but I always for a, l- a long period of time wore it straight I used to straighten it until the cows came home it was like heat trained to be dead straight and then I yeah d- did a couple of other things but um I did a lot about hair care from 2015 onwards I did a lot about like the natural hair scene and then I was known for that um but yeah I've always done blogging really as well as being a marketer so when I went freelance my hair care clients as an influencer heard that I was freelance the same week honestly it was like two days one of them I met at an event the day I quit and then the other one um got a bounce back from my work email because she was trying to work with the brand I was working with and then was like oh my god you're freelance been waiting for this day and then was like can you come in I need you from next month can you come in for three months I need an interim marketing manager but I really could like use your help with some other bits as well and I was like yes amazing (laughs) so I I, as a freelancer had clients immediately which was crazy um didn't know my worth at that time so the rate was really low and Mm -hmm. I didn't realize how much people were charging until much later um so I was definitely working crazy hours to try and make up my salary which was hard but now I I know how much money you should be charging so that will never happen again because were you like influencing for them but also acting as a marketing manager I was I stopped I wasn't doing any influencing for them and I was just doing marketing marketing manager stuff okay um and doing like yeah a bit social media a bit of influencer marketing um yeah, it was two hair care brands, but they were quite different and I was mm-hmm. doing different roles for them. So it wasn't conflicting. Um, Why do you think they wanted you so badly? I think because I'd worked with them on content before and they liked the content that I made. Because I think I, I don't think I'm particularly that great at content now for like the standard that we have in like this TikTok world. But I think at the time I had a really good camera and I was really into like, I, it was all about product shots back in the day. So I was really good at that. So I think they liked what they saw, but then also they knew, I knew everyone in the hair care scene. Like all my friends were hair influencers. So I had the network and I also was a marketer by trade. So I'd, and I'd worked in really big brands. So they were just like, yes. So I think that's why they were eager to have me. Um, I gave them my rate based on what I thought was fine. And then they accepted it. So that's, that's not their fault. Um, it was just really, really low. And now I'm looking back and I'm like, okay, that's, I could have made a lot more money. It would have been less stressful. Yeah. Like I remember one day I was, it was like midnight. I was trying to get this stuff done. And then I was just like, I can't believe I'm doing all of this for, for this amount just to like get by. Um, but then, yeah, I started the agency and thing, yeah, things changed. Yeah. So. So with the agency, so you went into... Oh, in, yeah. Yeah, so the the question. Um, <laughs> with the agency, I brought over one of the clients that I already had. Um, and then I think my first clients were Antidote Street, which is a hair care um, 
platform now, but it was an online retailer for for natural hair products, um, owned by incredible entrepreneur and just really nice woman, um, Winnie Awa. And then um, Beauty Stack, which was Sharmadine Reed's um, company before the stack world. So Sharmadine's founder of WAH. I used to work at WAH. So that was just me tapping into my old um, network. And then Proper, um, which is a company founded by my sister-in-law. At the time, I was very fresh in her family, so we we didn't really have a relationship. But um, they needed some help with some influencer stuff and my husband boyfriend at the time was like oh charlotte that's what charlotte does and i came in and i did some work with them and then we worked with them which which was great um and they were my first three clients and they're all really good brands so i was really really lucky and that came from being introduced um winnie i met through a brand that i'd worked with before and that she was like you should speak to charlotte um sharma i worked obviously worked for her so I went in to pitch to her and she was like, yeah, yeah, I get the diversity thing, but I just need influence marketing, go, go, go. And I was like, okay, cool. Cause she knew that I could do the job cause I work for her. And then um, proper, um, they had a need and then I, I filled it. They needed influencer lists at the time. And I went in and, and did that with them. And yeah, and they're my first clients. And then I, I held them for a really long time as well. Like proper said our client to this day. Um, and we work with them in a very different capacity, uh, capacity now. And we do some really amazing things with them. And even though my sister-in-law is the founder, we're so separated. Like, we don't even see each other. I saw her last night at, at an event that we did with them. And it's like, I was like, it's so weird seeing you because I work with the brands team. It's like, so it's so different. I was like, wow. Um, and then um, Antelope Street kind of rebranded and they, they built a new product. And then that journey wasn't quite right for the journey that 7.6 was going on in terms of um, like, we were moving away from social media and moving solely into influencer marketing. And I said, you know, business has pivoted. This is what we're gonna focus on. And we, we went our separate ways, but you know, still support them and buy for them, they're amazing. And then Beauty Stack doesn't exist anymore because they changed to the Stack World. And I've worked with the Stack World a few times. If you are a member, you'll see my face all over because I'm one of the um, original photo shoot people that literally you log in my face is just on the login page um and I'm a member and all my team are members are members as well so yeah we don't really work with them like you know for influencer campaigns but we do cross paths a lot which is nice and then we have different clients as well yeah yeah yeah. so then was that the whole so you had those on board as your brand as your brand like brand partners helping them find influencers yeah and then were you delivering the campaigns as well yeah so we did everything so Mm -hmm. proper at the time we were only doing lists for them. I think we they had they used to do a lot of events in their old office, um, and we used to invite people to that. They did a lot of like entrepreneurial stuff, and that that was um, really fun. And I, I hope that they they bring those back because they've got a new office that's so nice. Um, people need to see it. Um, but now we do much bigger activations with them. Um, and then, yeah, Beauty Stack, we were just doing, getting people to sign up to the app. It was a book, beauty bookings app. So getting people to sign up to the app and we used influence, beauty influencers for that. And then um, Antidote Street was social media. So that was creating social media content for them, help building their strategy and their messaging, their tone of voice and um, creating um, content uh content series series um for them so over the covid lockdown time that was like really important and we were doing like instagram lives and 
com- like deep conversations around hair care or wash routines. We did, I think it was Sunday morning dance parties where we do, no, Sunday wash day dance parties, I think it was called, where Sunday morning we'd get a different influencer or person of influence to host their wash day on a live and that, that was so much fun. And we worked with some really, really cool people like Dr. Woma, Sharmandine did one, I did one. Um, a few uh, hair care brands came on and did them. Like, it's, it's really, really fun. So, yeah. And then that we still do all of that now, apart from the actual social media management, mm-hmm. um, but just on a slightly bigger scale. I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. It must be so cool because working with the brands, but then also delivering campaigns to these individual influencers, then you must get so much like variety and diversity of work oh, yeah. that just keeps you interested and in every all day. The time. Yeah. It's like, so it's like this week we've just done the most random thing. So we've sent some products, some clothing pieces to some creators um, for a festival and then also a um, disposable camera for them to take some like cool like Gen Z shots because everyone's into disposable cameras now. I even have one in my bag. I'm so, so young. Um, and then we also put like Nella Rose on a human... The cumin Arcade crane, yeah, yeah, I saw that, yeah. Claw machine in the middle of Truman's brewery and then got her to like pick up a load of popcorn packets. Um, and then what else we work on? And then also like sent someone, I can't remember what, what this one was, sent someone to like some like arcade place to like to mm-hmm. create content around arcade machines. It's very s- separate to the popcorn one, but we did the most random things on a daily basis. And some things are like totally normal, but other things were just like, wow, it's our job. Yeah. Did the ideas <laughs> come from your team then? Not always. Sometimes okay. they do. Sometimes we're just, we we tend to, depending on what the client needs, it depends on what we can give. So sometimes they, they have like the, the proper dropper campaign, which is the human claw. They came up with that. That is um, their, their idea. But then they needed creators to bring it to life. So then we then choose the right creators that fit in with that style of content. Because not everyone is going to be able to post them riding an arcade machine like it's just not gonna work <laughs> work for a lot of people so um we find the right people for that message and help them tell the story um I don't love creative briefs nowadays I don't think there's so many amazing storytellers I think we should leave them to start to tell the stories as long as they've got the information that they need to yeah. tell that story yeah. so we just Choose the right people and then hope for the best. Yeah, yeah. Well, I say hope for the best, (laughs) which is through data and like years of experience. uh, But just, you know, hoping that the meta and TikTok gods allow the ads to do well. And if not, put some paid spend behind it. Literally, that's it. Because um, when working with influencers for Herbie, um, that is a challenge. Like, Mm. how do you flex between allowing the creator be creative versus... I need you to do this and deliver on it because I've seen it do well. So I need you to kind of like work on that. You know, finding that right balance is quite tricky. It's really having a good relationship with, if not the creator, mm-hmm. the management. Mm-hmm. Because we 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 work with a, a lot of different talent managers and different yeah. agencies, but there's a few that we love okay. because they just get it. Like, if I want to shout people out, absolutely love working with like Shift, We Shift, and they look after some incredible creators, um, mainly black creators or creators who are from a minority background. <clears throat> and I'm friends with Chloe, the founder. I've known her since before this life. 
And um, I know what she's about. I know that she's like hands-on. And I know that if like she came down with her team yesterday because we worked with her, one of her creators, Elaine, and Elaine was perfect. Like I just saw all the content come through. No notes. It was like, go live. Amazing. And um, I know that that's going to be fine. Same with like season 25, um, which is run by, uh, oh, what's Jess's last name? Jess from season 25. Um, her and her team, her and Nick, amazing. Like they, they've worked with us so many times. They've brought their creators through. If it's not right, before they even send us the content, they're like, it's not quite what you asked for. I'm not sending it to you. We've asked for them to do a reshoot before you've even had the opportunity to ask for a reshoot because we don't want the back and forth. Like they know, they just, they're on it. Um, love, love working with them. Anytime we can fit one of their creators into a campaign, I'm just like, oh yes, because it's just easy. There's also like other, so many lovely talent managers that we work with that we're just like, yeah, we just know that this is gonna be an easy ride. But then there are other talent managers that you you can't get hold of. They they don't negotiate properly. They're, it's, it's like wild, wild west. And you're just like, there was one today that I had to call because I was the only number he didn't have from the team. So he didn't know who it was going to be. And I was like, hi, this content is four days late. Where's your, where's your guy? And he was just like, oh yeah, 20 minutes, 20 minutes. And I was just like, this is your actual job. Like, what are you doing? But the industry is, it's, it's not, I wouldn't say it's new anymore, but it's, there's a lot of young talent coming in, not just as the creators, but the, the talent managers and the agencies. And I just don't think the level of professionalism is the same as what it would have been maybe in our day, okay. um, which is fine. It's a different world, but I think we need to like figure out how to just like read it in a little bit. See, that's what, I thought it would have been the opposite way, you know? No. Because I would have thought now it's becoming much more developed and standardised. You get much more... The industry is. Yeah. But the people aren't always th the, what you need them to be. Because it's so fast-paced. Like, sometimes content approvals are less than 24 hours. It's like, make the content, but I need it now. And, like, if you've got, a, like, a job... Like, yesterday we did the, the dropper, as an example. That content had to go live in 24 hours because it's promoting something that's on for three days and we couldn't have more time because it cost a lot of money to have that thing there. So we couldn't do it a day earlier because that would have cost more than having the creators. So um, we need to be quick. We need That turnaround has to be there. And if you don't have a good manager, luckily we've been very fortunate that everyone on that campaign has delivered. And I'm so, I'm so pleased because I've not been in the office today. I've been doing things like this, running around. So the team have had to, I, I, check, I check in, but the team have had it on lock, but there's been no issues. But if there is a bad manager or a bad creator in the sense that they, they can create, but they can't manage themselves. Um, like I'm one of those people. I, if, you, if I'm working with you, if, I don't, if you don't book me through my team and you ask me to do a favor for you, that content's gonna be late. It's probably not even, I don't read briefs. It's not, it's not gonna be, it's not going to be right. I'll be talking about something completely different of what I want to talk about. Get my team involved. It's to the T. And that's how it should be. Is that how you guys got into talent management then? Because you saw some creators just didn't have that kind of rigor. Exactly that. I see. It was, we were working with so many creators that we were just like, you're really good, but like, this is hard. Like, it shouldn't be this hard. And then on the other side to that, we were working with creators who... No, well, we weren't working with creators. We were seeing creators that we loved. 
but they weren't getting any work or good enough work. And we were like, but I'm watching you and you've got that audience, like you're really good. So we decided to take them on to get them the work that they deserved. Um, so it was a real mixture of the two. And uh, yeah, we're still doing that now and it's, it's working, it's fun. Awesome. So what would you say is the sweet spot when looking at looking for talent and creators, especially those like undiscovered gems as it were? I'm really good. We don't, we're such a small team. Mm -hmm. So we don't have the capacity to take on a lot of talent. I wish, I wish we did, but um, we're bootstrapped. We're not, you know, a lot of agents, there are very few agencies that are our size that aren't VC funded or have a, a wealthy founder that has had investment from family. Yeah. Or, like the mine is literally like we're paycheck to paycheck kind of vibe. So every, not, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> but you know, we, that's, that's not what I meant to say. We're, um, so every campaign that we built at the beginning built the money that we have today. So everything we have comes from that. Um, it's, we've never been pushed with investment. We did, over COVID, we did like a GoFundMe thing because I thought that was like a cool thing to do because everyone was doing it. And we got like a little bit, but then it felt really weird because I was like, we just, I, I really wanted to get an office for the team and, and, and we, we, did, we did something there. And we, it, was, it was a really interesting experience, but I was like, this isn't, I don't want this. This isn't what we're about. So um, everyone that we, everyone that donated to it, we're really grateful and we, have worked with a lot of those people in different capacities and, and we still try and keep in contact with a lot of them. But um, I realized, I was like, we just need to work really hard and then the money will come and, and it does. So we can't grow as much as other agencies and can't take on as many talent as we want to, but um, we will in time. But when looking for talent, I, I am really, really good at spotting talent early and it really annoys me when I see someone I'll be like oh, in like a year they'll be massive and then it happens and I'm like, oh we should assign them but what's like the, what's the secret source then the secret source is just someone who's just like on it it's literally as simple as that someone who you can when you can see the hunger or if not the hunger you can see the the joy or excitement there are certain people like we look after someone called Archie and um I hope he doesn't watch this because this is cringe but he's honestly one of my favorite people and he posts so much, but it's not like ad, ad, ad. It's like his life. People want to see his life. He's, he's interesting. He's fun. But also aesthetically, it's really appealing. So he gives you everything you want. He's also like, he's super handsome and he like crosses both sides. Gay, he, he's gay. Gay guys love him. The girls love him. Like, Everyone wants a bit of Archie. That's like the thing. And not just because he's beautiful, but because he's funny, he's interesting. Like you go on his, his page and you're like, oh, I'll stay for that. I will follow for it. And I use him as an example for a lot of creators to be like, look how often he posts. Look, he's not huge, but he will be. It's come, I can see it. It's coming. He's on the, yeah, it's like, it's just about to happen. I'm really excited for it. But he'll do things like, he got invited to the Henley Festival and um, he'd never been before. And I was, we kind of explained what it was and he was just like, cool, I got this kind of thing. He, he was meant to go with a friend. His friend couldn't come last thing on the day. So he went by himself. Do you know what the Henley Festival's like? <laughs> just a bunch of like middle-aged, middle-class white people. <laughs> and he was just there living life. His 
stories were hilarious. Mm. It wasn't like taking the mick out of the situation. It was like, I'm living my best life. He was like singing along in his story. I think he made some TikToks about it as well, but with like this like random white woman that he doesn't know who that is, but they were friends for that moment, having a sing along. He he looked great. He wore a suit. He looked the part and he just like went and did it. I don't know if I could have done that, going by myself and and just doing it but he did it because he was like I've been invited I need to make the content I'm gonna do it this is my job and he did it and the content was amazing and he had content for days for it and that's the kind of creator that is gonna do well yeah yeah I love that when they can really give you an insight into their life where yeah. it doesn't feel forced or manufactured yeah it's yeah. not like here's everything I'm doing yeah. and I'm successful and like you know Come with me on a day of being like, like the, the cookie, best it's person. It's like cookie cutter content. Yeah, it's as well. like super quick, like yeah. ten seconds of like this is me in the car, this is me getting dressed, this is me whatever. And each thing, I'm like, oh god, it's like <laughs> even like the songs that he uses, I'm like, she's just so cool. <laughs> it makes me feel really old though. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. So then, what about like with other creators that you can't manage? So do you manage him, right? Yeah, we manage him exclusively. And so then, with say the smaller ones that you say you can't have the capacity to 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 manage, you then just try and bring them on to some brand deals. Yes. Yeah. So we have our creator club, which mm-hmm. formerly was called our influencer network, but um, we've rebranded this year. And it's it's essentially a database of creators that we use for campaigns, but it is actually more than that as well. So we use it as like a, it's my way of giving back to the influencer space without having to give so much of my personal time because okay. I will just do it. If you ask me, I don't have to say no to things and it's it, like, I shouldn't out myself like this. But if you were like, Charlotte, can we go for lunch? And I'd be like, sure. yeah, fine. I, I don't have a single hour in my day that I could be like, I could have, I could be so ill. And I'd be like, yeah, I'll meet you for lunch. Like, I just can't say no. I don't know what it is in me. If you're like, I need your help. I'd be like, oh, I don't know you. I've never met you in my life. I'll help you. But I needed to, I needed to stop doing that. So we created the Creator Club to give insights to creators to help them do better and be better um so it's a weekly newsletter currently and then in the past we did monthly events but we had to put on pause because um we just didn't have enough resources in the team to to make it consistent it was getting a bit too sporadic and I was like we just need to cut it for a second but we've just hired someone who that is going to be their full-time role which is one of the biggest things I think I've done so far because it's not focused on, that one's not focused on money. Like everyone's job is around campaigns, bringing in, like that brings in cash. Creator Club is about development of, of people and making sure that creators get what they want. It's gonna be that this person, she starts in three weeks time and she's gonna be like really pushing our, our pay gap um, conversation and talking about creator pay and how much they should be charging. And really the thing, everything that we've started is making sure that like that conversation is really being pushed to the maximum that it, it can be. And I'm so excited for that because that role um, is a really important one for the the growth of the business to who I want the business to be, not financially, but like holistically looking at the business. We're not just about making money and making campaigns. We're about making creators. And whether you're with us exclusively or you just come pop in and out through the, the influencer hub or the creator club hub, um, 
we hope to give you some sort of impact, yeah. large or small. Yeah, I love, the, I love the idea of that because I've seen like firsthand where you have creators who they're on the cusp of something but they just don't know how to yeah. do it. They don't, for lack of a better word, they don't believe in their source yet. Mm. And or sometimes they don't know the source. Or sometimes they don't know. Which is yeah. the biggest issue. They don't mm-hmm. know what they could have yeah. or what they could be doing. Mm-hmm. And I think you just have to cap those conversations because mm. um, it's not every person such as yourself who has, say, a large audience, runs a business, who has, I guess, the capacity to have conversations with people. But then when you have the reports that you made, such as the um, influencer pay gap, mm. then that gives people a lens to say, okay, this is yeah. how much on average people really earn. Yeah. Because even for me, when I was um, reasoning it through, I was like, it was quite insightful mm. seeing that the jump between um, certain certain like follower thresholds isn't as large as I would expect it as well. Yeah. Well, the the, the report is a uh, it's like um, it's brackets. Yeah. So like sometimes it could be like you can charge anywhere between one thousand and five thousand, and it all depends on and then it, we talk about your you know your niche your um your engagement your what whatever it might be your like where your profession like your professional kind of status in the industry um there's so much that goes into it but this is what you could be charging so um and some people charge more and some people charge less and whenever they're charging less i'm like come on (laughs) but if you're charging more good for you like do your thing i love that for you but if you're charging less i always think that unless it's for which i always put in the reports as well and it's for a small business that doesn't have the budget and they need you to kind of do them a solid to be able to get that out there and I'm sure if you do them do that for them and they grow they will remember that and I've seen that firsthand um I've worked with businesses that have grown massively and I've been very grateful that I liked their product so much that I did stuff for free for them six seven years ago and now get to work with them and do some like really really cool stuff so you always have to know I had this conversation earlier today but you don't always know who you're working with and where that's going to go. Always think that there might be an opportunity somewhere. Mm-hmm. And it might not be now. Mm-hmm. And on that, right, with influencers and monetizing their brand. Now, sometimes there's a bit of, what's the word I'm looking for? Like their audience might feel like they've created mm-hmm. them, right? And so what the audience feel like they've given, they can also take away. Yeah, yeah. And so exactly as an influencer, there can be some some tough decisions to make, right? Because you want to make sure that you're making content that also that can feed you at the end of the day. Yeah. That you're also passionate with, but also still resonates with your audience. Mm-hmm. How do you kind of educate like your base about how to manage all those different elements? Do you know what? Sometimes I see see ads and I'm like, you really needed that. Like, it's so irrelevant to your channel but you needed that paycheck. I can see it and that's fine. Like, I will support that. And I think people need to give creators a break sometimes <laughs> because as much as, you know, without you, they'd be nothing. Like, you don't have to follow them, but also like, it's really tough out there. Like sometimes you can make some wild cash, but sometimes you can make nothing. And just because you got a free shampoo or like, you, you know, you got, a trip to a festival that's not paying your rent so you do they've chosen this lifestyle and some some creators make it work and some you know have to get other jobs as well and and that's fine like whatever you choose to do is is fine but i really do feel like the general audiences the general public need to give creators a bit of 
like leeway because they really need to work to get fed and it's a dog eat dog world like the creator space at the moment is wild there's so many creators and not as many campaigns than creators so everyone's fighting for, for jobs so let just let them live but on the other side to that if you in my opinion the perfect creator to create the perfect ad would be someone like never change your message so like I've worked with some really random brands before and paired them with creators and you've seen the creators be like how am I going to make this work and you see others being like oh I've got this don't worry about it and they're it has to fit into your message or your your story or, you know, who you are, the content you create in some way. Make it work. Like, don't do what the brand wants you to do if it's not your tone of voice, if it's not who you are. So if I'm promoting this glass of water and I never talk about water ever and I only talk about orange juice, but I'm being paid, I really need to post that because I really need that two grand or however much it is to post that water ad. I need to make this link to that orange juice that I normally talk about because otherwise everyone's going to spot that this is an ad and I need to work and figure out how I can link my normal content with this glass of water and if you can't do that your audience is going to be like oh another ad that we have nothing to do with we're not here for water we're here for orange juice you know but if you can link it and make it funny or make it like natural like I did an ad the other day for a washing machine and I have this thing with my husband that um, he's not my target audience, that at all. We are so different as people. Like I always say to him outside of, obviously he's my best friend because he's my husband, but if he wasn't my husband, he wouldn't even be my friend. Like we're so different. <laughs> like the fact that we met is like, is wild. Um, and he always watches my content and he's just like, who is this for? And I'm like, not you, because people like it. Like I get the DMs, people are clicking and they're doing the things I want them to do because they, they're they my audience. So I was doing this, this washing machine ad and honestly, I was so excited about this washing machine. If you listen to my old podcast, Sustainable Influence, all we talked about was washing. Like the podcast was about <laughs> sustainability. We could bring laundry into any conversation. Me and my friend Bianca, I don't know why, we just love talking about washing and I love good like a good laundry session I have this thing I, I I have an obsession with cleaning so laundry goes in nicely so getting this new washing machine was like a big deal for me and my old one was ruining every piece of clothes that I had so it was a big deal he watched the ad he was like you were quite over the top about this and I was like yeah and he was just like it was it was I feel like it was too much it felt a bit salesy and I was like did it because my mum watched it and went I really need that washing machine and he was like Oh, and I was like, and my friend clicked and bought it. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, it wasn't salesy because I was selling. I didn't even say buy it. I was telling them how much I liked the washing machine because I genuinely loved it. And that excited me. But what is interesting is the people that I was pushing it to, that excites them. They want to know about washing machines. Yeah. They're like, the comments I got were hilarious. And people were like, so we were having these full on conversations about washing. He's not the target audience. He doesn't care about, he doesn't even use the bloody washing machine. So I don't know what he's talking about. You're not the audience because you don't care about a washing machine. But the people that, are fo that follow me, they do. That's why they follow me. And that's a continuous story that I've had. And when I got the brief from the brand, they, they gave it to me as a gift. And um, they said, you need to post X amount of stories. And I, 
I went above and beyond. As not, a gift? I thought it was like, it's up to you if you do it or not. It was, but it was quite a high value okay. one. So yeah. I said that I would I would do something in exchange because I actually really needed the washing machine and I was going to buy one anyway. So it, <laughs> it works really nicely. And that's a really good perk of, of my life. Um, and as influencers, sometimes you get gifted things that you're going to buy anyway. So you might as well. Um, and I don't mind. And also sometimes when you know the agencies, like I will do a lot for a PR or a brand that I actually know the founder for, or I know the PR team or, or the marketers, um, because I know what it's like. Like you gotta help your friends out. So I was just like, yeah, I'll, I'll post about this washing machine because I want it and I love it. And when I did the content, it wasn't quite what they asked for, but it was perfect. They were like, oh, it's perfect. No, no notes, go live. And I was like, okay, great. But it was because I loved the product and I was just sharing my own I didn't I don't even think I hit the certain things in the brief but I shared different things that were related to what I wanted to talk about because it's my machine now it's mine now you've given it to me so I'm showing you what I use and um it's like really silly like example but that that is like what works and it did quite well um because people were you know, my friends and random people that I don't know, like, messaged me about it. That's how I know it does well. And people actually are engaging. And, um, yeah, it worked out nicely. But, again, you have to know your audience because that wouldn't have worked for, like, if my husband was an influencer, if that wouldn't have worked for his channel because everyone would be like, why are you so excited about a washing machine? This must be fake. But then even the fact that you didn't listen to someone in your own audience's opinion on your work, yeah. right? Because I imagine within your audience, because like the way I used to think about audiences, audiences is that everyone follows you for one thing. Mm. And that's not the case. No. Like you have these different tribes within your audience. Some might follow you for your business advice. Some yeah. might follow you for the way you dress. Some might follow you just for your memes or something like that, 100%. right? 100%. Um, and it's like, how do you choose which ones resonate more to you? Or I don't know, like finding the right balance. Yeah, know? I think you can see it yeah. with the day-to-day engagement. So the people that engage me the most are the people that are interested in like lifestyle. So they're interested in like the products I use in my washing machine or like how I'm planning on organizing my flat or they're interested in that stuff or business stuff. Um, but there is a crossover. Like I don't have a large male audience on my on my social media on my Instagram. I don't only really use Instagram at the moment. Um, I don't have a large male audience, but the men that I do have, they're all founders and like people I know from, or like my husband's friends or like my brothers. Like they're all guys I know. Men aren't coming to my page and being like, oh, I really want to see her content. Like I don't have anything for most men. Um, So that's not what they're there for. So I know who my audience are quite well. And in 2020, I had a massive um, surge of new followers um, because I did this post about racism and what racism meant to me. And overnight, I gained over 20,000 followers. And it was just like really crazy. It was, I wouldn't recommend going viral. Like it's, it's quite scary. Um, and then I had this influx of all these like white women that I'd never interacted with before. But all my audience before that were mainly black and mixed race girls who looked like me or were like like me in some way. So we always had something in common. And then all of a sudden I had these women that I didn't I didn't know. Like I I don't 
have many friends that look like them or are them and I had to like learn what they wanted from me um and I made it clear I was like this isn't like a trauma page I'm not going to talk about racism what an interesting way you put that I wanted to learn what they wanted from me what an interesting way to ask, ask the question yeah it I was being paid to do things on that platform yeah. so I had to figure out how they were going to engage with me otherwise that platform was going to be dead yeah. and then I, there was no point having it so I don't obviously remember I just for a living like I do strategy. So I was like, right, what's the strategy here? And it took me a minute. Like, I was literally scratching my head because I was like, what is it that they want? And it took a while for me to like, I did different stories and I basically just saw what stuck and what people were commenting about. And as the Black Lives Matter conversation toned down a bit and we went into kind of like back into normality and people were talking about dresses and hoovers and whatever, I could see, okay, I fit in with these people. I get, I get them. They're my people, most of them. But um, they're not here for the hair care tips or the stuff I'm posting about black-owned businesses or whatever. They're here because they like the dresses that I wear. They're here because they like me doing like homeware stuff. That's cool. I, I can work with that. I know what that is. But it really took me a minute because I was just like, this is a new audience that I just don't, I just don't know. And um, I'd worked with that audience as a marketer, but not per like the, not with me. I as the product. So it, that was it was really really interesting. It was a real um, eye opening moment for like my like personal brand story. Um, but now like I I love my followers. Like at the beginning I was like I don't know who they are, but now I've got so many people that have like stuck around and. I've like made friends with like real life friends with some of these women that have come through. Um, yeah, it's just really interesting. Yeah, because it's just interesting that you said like, because how do you manage like growth in yourself with that new audience and still be interested in the things that they are in as well? Yeah. Compared to what you were doing beforehand, right? How do you make it still come across yeah. like, I actually do like this stuff? The thing is, I wasn't, I realised I wasn't too dissimilar to them. I see. So it wasn't like... I had to be a new person. It's just maybe stuff that I wasn't sharing mm -hmm. before that now I'm sharing. Have you ever felt that you were sharing too much? No. Um, I think sometimes, I was discussing this yesterday with, with, with a friend and I think sometimes people think, I'm very calculated with my social media. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm quite, uh, quite strict with what I choose to share. Um, like, if I'm drunk, I'll put my phone away, um, mostly. Like, there's been a couple of slip-ups in the past, but if I'm drunk, there will be no no things until the next day. Um, I, I don't post live. You're, you're, I don't want people to know where I live. Like, I, I, I'm quite, like, I'm quite private, even though I show most of my life online. But I'm not showing a lot of things. It feels like I am, but you're not seeing that much. Because when people think, I have people talking to me as if they know me. And I'm like, oh, babes, you don't. You don't at all. Because I'm like, I'm a massive introvert. I'm really antisocial. I hate, we've, I think I discussed this yeah. before with you. It doesn't come across like that. I know. I'm an introvert, extrovert. So if I'm with people that I feel comfortable with and I know, I am fine. If I'm in a work situation and I, we're talking about work, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just a job. I'll just do it. If you put me in a social situation, you leave me on my own and you need me to vent. Like, 
my husband used an example. We went to my best friend's birthday barbecue once and it was with all her family. I know her family, but I'm not like that close with them. I just know them. And I literally sat there just like, and I don't even realize I'm doing it, just like on my own quietly. Mm. And he came over to me and was like, babe, like you need to socialize, yeah. like you need to talk. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was just like, you're so socially like, I can't remember what he is, but basically weird. He was just like, <laughs> awkward, socially awkward. awkward. Socially yeah. awkward. He was like, you, ne- you are literally sitting here like twiddling your thumbs because you don't want to talk to anyone. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, okay. And then he like forced me to speak to people. He had, had, literally had to hold my hands and come with me. And I often need that. Like my friend had a, um, another friend had a engagement party not too long ago and my husband couldn't come. And I didn't know really any of, I knew like one of her other friends. And I was like, the anxiety was through the roof. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I had to go. Yeah. But he came in the end, thank God. And just him being there, just like, calmed me down. But if it was a work thing, I'd be fine. Because I, I knew I just had to get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't feel comfortable. That's why you'll see me at events and I'll dip in and out. Like, I don't want to be there. But like, you have to. You. I, I will be there, yeah. And if I see a friend, that's it. Like, I'm just, I'm so comfortable. But if I don't, if I see someone that I, I know, like, we don't know each other very well, but mm. I've chatted to you a few times. So if I saw you in a crowd, I'd be like, okay, thanks. And you wouldn't be able to get rid of me for the rest of the night. <laughs> so no, I have a few friends that I've done that with and they're just like, okay, okay. You're, you're now with, and I'm just like, I'm not even apologizing about yeah. it. I'm like, I need, I need you. This is an exchange. Like, I'll do a solid for you at any time after mm-hmm. this, but I need you right, right now. And there's been a lot of times when that happens and yeah. that's just how I am. And I've, I've been like that since I was a kid. That's yeah. just how I am. But I know that's how I am. And I think it's important that I, I know it so yeah. I can, navigate that in my own way mm, yeah because it's, it's so interesting like i said i would never have guessed it yeah and especially in your line of work there must be so many events that you'd have to go to and like at I've one point i get exhausted oh like, stop now I, I go to a few but yeah. now because i've built the team out i'm just like you guys can go mm. it's only when if you see me at an event you know i either really really like you or it's because i see something that i need to do so like next week there's a an event that I really want to go to that it's like I don't need to go but I really want to work with that brand a lot going forward for with so many different projects so I'm going because I I want to be the person that like builds the relationship and then gives it to the team and um that's kind of how I work now but before I used to just get so tired I get exhausted being in these social situations and I was really burning myself out going to everything being seen and now I'm just like no I'm not doing it and I say no to 90% of the things that come into my inbox. Yeah, because you said originally, you say yes all the time. Yeah. And now you've got to the point of saying no. Yeah. What happened? I got tired, yeah. honestly. It was, I, I burnt out in 2021 and then I burnt out again in 2022. Yeah. And I was just like, I can't do it anymore. I like, my job's hard because I make it hard for myself. I'm not going to lie. I don't do things the easy way. I, if I had a co-founder, we'd been, a, we'd, we'd have grown so much bigger probably would have sold by now because we would have been like where we need to be but because I don't have the experience or the knowledge of the things that we need as a business to grow and because I'm so antisocial and I hate pitching um (laughs) it's harder Mm -hmm. so we're we're doing slow and steady and it's working it's fine but um I yeah I, I I focus on our goals now and now I understand myself and I've been to therapy for the last couple of years. So I, I really know who I am now and like how, what makes me tick. 
because I've always been like I know who, I've always known who I am in terms of like who is Charlotte yeah. but like how I work I didn't understand that because mm. everyone was like you're an extrovert you're always so loud you're like doing the splits in the street you're like all this you're the life of the party and I was just like I'm not though and I knew I wasn't but I had to unlock like how that works and it's it was because I am that person to certain people mm -hmm. but those people are not everyone mm -hmm. and um I think on social media it makes it look like you know you're a certain type of person but maybe my best friend captured that that photo or captured that video so I was that person but like if a stranger did it it probably wouldn't be the same yeah I've always struggled with like um having your social media say you're one person but in real life you're somebody else yeah. I don't know why like I've always like I've always felt that it should always be the same thing I am the same person no 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 no, no. let me line let yeah. me line let me line okay me line. fine more, I was like <laughs> no no no, no. More, more in a sense that like um how do I put it like if my social media shows me kind of like out partying all the time mm. whereas in reality I'm at home just having a glass of wine by yeah. myself. It's like those two things are different. But then I've come to realize that you have to show you have to show different sides of yourself to different people in order to get towards where you're trying to get towards. Yeah. So for example, like um, Fifty Cent, like I read his book Castle Harder. Mm. Um, this really really good book about. Oh the really? Way. Oh, it's amazing okay. because he is like the epitome of like you yourself. You're authentic. You know your true worth. Similar yeah. to what you're saying but you know how to flex and, you know, flex and bend or just be kind of adapt to all your audiences. So like him, he doesn't drink, he doesn't do alcohol, he doesn't do any of that mm. stuff, yet he'll be in a club promoting his drink, you know? So if you don't know him, you'd think that that's what he's doing, but to him and his immediate circle, yeah. they know what he's about. And I really love that kind of, um, like you have your own validation before any other external validation in the first yeah. place. Oh, I yeah. need to read that. Okay. Yeah, I'm going on holiday next yeah. week. So I'll, get I'll the audio book as well. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, okay. the audio book. Does he... Do yeah, he narrates it, yeah. Listen, I'm not really an audiobook person, but when yeah. it's like someone good... Mariah Carey's audiobook for her memoir. Yeah. Kiss, like she is hilarious. I feel like you get more from the book because she's reading it because she adds like... I'm pretty sure there's ad-libs in there that mm. she doesn't actually have in the book because there's like... Little like sighs and little like snarky like <laughs> <laughs> that's not in the book. Yeah. I'm sure I haven't read it, but I'm sure. But listening to it, I was like, this is beautiful. It mm. was like the best like three days of my life. A bit of pizzazz in there. Yeah. David Goggins is another one. Have you heard oh, his book? No. Oh, mate. well, yeah, his first book really good. I read really well. I don't read like this is a problem that I have. I don't read yeah. like business books. This is not so, business. Okay, fine. Yeah. Who's David Goggins? David Goggins. He's like an um, ex Navy SEALs. Then join the seals, like all that. Kind I've of stuff. he was on a podcast recently. I've listened to. Yeah, yeah. like my his mindset is yeah, crazy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Add that to my list. But um, I read a lot of like history, mm -hmm. or I'm like quite my sister. Like, You're so boring. I've just started reading <laughs> fiction because I realised yeah. I need to switch off. But I read a lot of history and like specifically black history. I see. Or black or East Asian or, or South Asian history really. Um, and then now I'm moving into fiction, so I'm trying to like make my brain like relax a bit. Yeah. But I never read business books and people are always like, you need to. And I'm just like, oh, but they're boring. Yeah, I kind of like fatigue myself with business books as well. I love a good fiction. Um, yeah, really? Like, oh, I love it. Yeah, like my favorite my favorite genre is like science fiction, oh, interesting. fantasy, all that kind of stuff. No, um, bit of crime as well. Mine's, I don't know what my favorite genre is. Mm -hmm. I, like, I just like random stuff. But um, I... Yeah, I like a podcast though. Yeah. Listening to like this kind of stuff. I love yeah. listening to people's lives. Um, 
I like money books as well because I've learned I'm I was really money like financially illiterate for a really long time mm-hmm. um up until about two years ago three years ago and I've read a lot of books from like amazing just like a lot of them I they're just like girls that are now yeah. that on the scene that we know them but read some really good ones that changed my life and like, I'm so financially literate now it's like insane what but, was the biggest lesson um my, it was just mindset mm. just um like I just didn't uh, really uh, my mum is really really good with money and told me once you just need to get a credit card didn't tell me how they worked yeah in her mind she was like this is my child she's got this <laughs> not her child <laughs> not her child my sister her child me no (laughs) so I just like just spent and spent and spent and just had no like thought of the future you know and then as I got older I was like oh you gotta pay your credit cards yeah this is crazy (laughs) um and I really had to like learn like mindset of like right this is how you spend this is how you save like especially being a founder of a bootstrap business where Mm. sometimes or we're fine now but like a couple of years ago like I was paying myself pennies because yeah. I had to pay staff to get yeah. where we are, be that freelancers, be that full-time employees. And then not understanding why I've got no money because I wasn't like managing my, my finances properly. Also, when I fell down the sustainability hole, um, I've come out of it now in like the best place because I really looked at my shopping habits and where things were made and where I'm like investing like my money into in terms of like my clothes Mm. and I used to be a buyer and my mum is like a retail therapy kind of person like we'd go and she when we were younger she'd be like right we're going shopping like she'd always be even now she's always like I bought something but it's always in the sale you know like I bought something I guess how much this cost kind of thing but now I'm like I don't work like that like my brain isn't like oh I got this bargain it's like how long is this going to last me? Do I need it? Mm-hmm. Um, and I've become quite tight, but also it's like the way I look at clothes, like I, I've done, I, when I was looking of what to wear today, I was like, oh, being video, so I should probably wear something nice. Mm-hmm. But then it's like cold outside. And I don't have any of my winter clothes because so, they were at my parents' house because I didn't have a big enough flat to do the, <laughs> two, the double wardrobe thing. Um, so I was like, what am I going to wear? And I've worn this so many times. Mm-hmm. I've had this for like nearly 10 years I want to say oh, wow. and I was just like do you know what it's a good one like if, if they see me wear it in this one and I've worn it in another one it's what it is but back in the day I'd be like I need I need a new outfit yeah. now I'm just like no this is a really nice like comfortable outfit to sit on a podcast and like, have a chat with that's it I'm, I'm not worried about it in the same way I was and I think I've grown mm-hmm. thinking about clothes and where, where they've come from how much I'm spending on things, um, why it's important, if it's important, that kind of stuff. With my, yeah, financial literacy books and then also sustainability kind of research I've had to do with the old podcast. I, be, yeah, the last like five years become a completely different person. That's amazing. It's like continue growing. Yeah. 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 Are there any areas that you're looking to develop next, would you say? Uh... Uh, financial literacy but to like the next level I think I've got like the basics that I didn't get taught as a kid Mm -hmm. now sorted but um, as an adult I'm looking at like what does investment look Mm -hmm. like I'm currently 
on my path to buy a house. Okay. So I'm hoping in the next six months that's something that I can do. And um, that's like a big thing. Like just learning how that works is, has been like mind blowing. Yeah. Especially as a, a freelancer because yeah. I'm a director of a business. It's very different to if I was a sole trader or if, if I had a job like PAYE um, income. Um, so th that's been really interesting. Um, if I choose to go on maternity leave in the next year, that is something I have to navigate because what does that look like for my business? Yeah. Um, so that's the kind of stuff I'm looking at at the moment, like grown up stuff. Yeah. Like what does buying a house look like? What does having a child look like? What does um, investments look like? But if you want to buy a house, is it even a good idea to do any, like start investing? Because you need that money. So what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. So I, cause like my, my thing is, um, if you're going to use it within the next six months, then yeah. there's no point investing in it. Exactly. You need that in cash. But if it's like two years away, yeah. you're good enough to put that's that away. That's the kind of stuff I'm yeah. like getting into and just speaking to people and and reading and listening to podcasts. But it's exciting. It's like really exciting because yeah. I I think I had to learn the basics a little bit older than I maybe I should have. Yeah. But a lot of people are in the same boat and it's... Um, it's crazy how we don't get taught how credit cards work, but we yeah. get offered credit cards at 18 yeah. as if they're normal things to have. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm, ex like, I'm just really excited for life now. I think I've like got like the foundation of whatever I need. And now everything's just like, ooh, what, what am I gonna do next? That's all, I can see the excitement. <laughs> yeah, I am really. I think these last couple of months I've been really strategy focused and I like, head yeah. down. I've been very boring, to be honest. I haven't really done anything. Like, I've stopped drinking. I've, I don't go out as much. Um, and if I do go out, I don't, I'm not like the life of the party like I used to be, apart from mm. Carnival Weekend. <laughs> last weekend that was fun. But um, yeah, but I've been focusing and mm -hmm. I'm really, just, next year I'm just so excited for next year. Awesome, awesome. So. I've got so many more questions, but I'm going to wrap it up. So I've got two last questions. No, no, it's fine, it's fine. Two last questions. Okay. First one, um, what's the worst piece of advice that you've ever received? Ooh. I don't know. Yeah. I do receive a lot of bad advice. <laughs> People, like unsolicited advice. Yeah. And I'm always just like, I didn't ask you. Um... I don't know if it's the worst piece of advice, but I'm, I've had, I've, so I've worked with people in the past that haven't like understood me mm -hmm. and haven't like trusted in my, like essentially trusted in my source. Like I know, just because I'm not doing something doesn't mean I know, don't know how to do it. And just because I'm not doing something doesn't mean I can't do it. I'm like, I'm the kind of person that I'm not, I could do anything. If someone's like, but you're not a doctor, are you? I'd be like, give me four years. Yeah. Just, I'll, I'll do the course. Like, I am, I don't believe anyone can do anything that I can't. Like, I'll make it happen. But um, I've worked with some people last year who just didn't rate me. Yeah. And they were meant to be, like, the people who looked after me and made me successful. And um, they kept giving me, like, random advice. And I was just like... At the time I was str I was burnt out and I was, I was just struggling. And the reason why I wasn't doing what I should have been doing is because I was just tired and I just couldn't, couldn't do anything. But they were just giving me some like advice of things I should do for my career. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I don't think you know who I am. Like, mm -hmm. I don't think this isn't it. And I was like, it's cool. And as soon as I left, everything changed. Awesome. And I, like my team started to look after me and my sister manages 
the talent side of my business. And I wanted to like separate us because um, we're sisters and we work together all day. And then also managing me as a, an influencer. I'm awful. Like I'm a great influencer, but like I, I'm hard to work with with my team. Cause I'm like, oh, but I can't create the content because I actually have like an accountant's meeting now. Or mm. like, oh, we've got a campaign, like priorities. And they're like, no, Charlotte, you need to do it. And they, they have, they've learned now. They've got to be like, do it. Do it yeah. Like there was one time my sister came to my house and she was like, <laughs> shoot the content now. And I was like, okay. Um, but yeah, as soon as she came back, we had that break and then she was just like, I got this. And it was like one of the most successful six months I've ever had. Awesome. Like, and then I've m moved away from my influencer stuff. I don't do it as much now, but um, we're doing my strategy for next year of like, if I'm not an influencer, what am I? Am I like, what is my, influence and um, I'm working on that at the moment with the team and it's like it's exciting like mm -hmm. what what do I want to do do we want to have a podcast like this do what do we want to have conversations like what is it that we're going to do and um because they they know me they trust me they trust the vision and they they also just understand who I am I'm able to flourish but if someone just doesn't rate you yeah. you're never going to flourish yeah so that's some it's not bad advice specifically but it was bad vibes. Fair enough. And the most underrated life hack? Uh, oh, do you know what? I love calendar invites. Mm -hmm. So like, send me, a, you sent me one and I was really impressed by that. <laughs> so, cause a lot of people are like, come to the studio. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And then on the day I'm like, where is it? What is it? What yeah. time? Put something in someone's diary. I do it with my husband all the time. Whether or not he actually looks at it is different. But I'm like, right, drinks with this person. Or I could be like, potentially going out with my brother and his wife on this date or this weekend. But it's just like thinking ahead. I'm just putting, my, my, my best friend's an EA mm -hmm. and she is excellent at that. I've got diary invites. She also has access to my calendar. But I've got diary invites that like take me to into next year mm. that are potentials but it, she's like keep this weekend free That's we might awesome. be doing this starry invites and then also i'm a big fan of find my friends which is a mm. weird thing for a lot of people because you have trust issues <laughs> but um all of my <laughs> best friends and my some of my family um are on find my friends so we can always see where we are at different points yeah and it just makes life so much easier because like if you got your girls and then you're like, oh, where? Like, for example, one of my friends, Carnival Weekend, she got really drunk and she wasn't out. It was a Monday and we weren't out. And we were like, are you okay? Where are you? I was just like, looks like she's in Westfield. Yeah. And then later on, she was like, yeah, I was in Nando's. And I was like, she's fine. Like, we know where she is. It's cool. Mm -hmm. like, obviously, that's not telling us if she's safe. But, but like, if we know what's going on in her life, then generally. Yeah. And it also helps like, if you want to do something and you're like, where are my friends today? And then you're like, oh, you're in town. I'm in town. And then you just bump into each other. That's cool. That's so, yeah. cool. And um, where can people find you, follow you? Uh, I am on Instagram, charlotte76. Uh, spell it out, 7-S-E-V-E-N-6, S-I-X. Um, I don't really use Twitter or anything like that because um, I'm just not that interesting. got nothing to chat about, really. Um, and then 7-6 agency for anything agency related across all platforms. And then 76agency.com. Awesome, Charlotte, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so oh, much. Thank you so much. <laughs>